All right, so Revelation chapter 22, and uh, starting in chapter 21, of course, the, the teaching on the new heaven and the new earth, something altogether different uh, than has ever been experienced, um, otherworldly, as one commentary used the phrase, otherworldly realities. Uh, things that we've talked about in Revelation 21 concerning the new heaven and the new earth and the, the holy city. Just beyond our capability to fully comprehend how those things can be. So we read this passage. Let's start in chapter 22, verse 1. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. We covered that last week, so here's where we'll start, verse 2. And through the middle of the street of the city, also, on either side of the river, the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. And they will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And night will be no more, though need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. And that really is the end of John's vision of new things. From the rest of the 22nd chapter, as we'll talk about it next week, uh, is a conversation between him and the angel. The Lord Jesus speaks. The angel speaks again. And so John gets directions, and then comes the glorious conclusion where the Lord says, I am coming. What's the next word? Soon. Wow. Of course, John wrote that almost 2,000 years ago. But he's coming soon. <laughs> and soon means soon in my language. All right. As I look at circumstances, and most many of us have talked about this, it has to be. It has to be soon. So John has seen and described in these chapters, not just the last two chapters here, but all the way from the beginning of the book, incredible things. And this, as we said, the title is The Revelation of Jesus Christ. It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. It's the revealing, revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ, of him as the exalted lamb, as the one that God has chosen, as the true lamb of God. And as we've talked about through the book, uh, one of the, to me, one of the uh, standout points is that the name Jesus is almost never referred to after the first three chapters and then into 
Finally, into the last chapters, we see the name again, but during most of that time, it's the Lamb. The Lamb. The Lamb. And over and over, it's a reference to the fact that none of this would be if he was not the Lamb that God had offered. And whether the world wants to think about it that way or not doesn't change one thing. The only way things are going to be made right, the only way things are going to be brought to a conclusion, the only way that God is, is going to redeem mankind and bring them to himself is through the blood of the Lamb. There is no other way. And so we see through this book inc incredible things. And, and we've talked about so many of them. They're, they're presented here to encourage the believers, not to tell us when, but to encourage us when it's not happening. It would be easy to glorify God, you know, as, as we're being lifted out of this earth in the rapture. If you've got a fear of heights, get over, get over it. <laughs> no, you won't have it then, because you'll be changed. And um, you wonder, uh, okay, I like space movies, you know, but we're going to be out where there's no need to have a space suit, or really even an earth suit. <laughs> so incredible things are going to take place. And we're to be encouraged. And it's one thing for us to worship God when we see him ruling and reigning. It's another thing when we're not seeing him ruling and reigning, though he does. And another when we're just waiting. When are you going to? I'm not the only person in this room who's ever prayed some form of prayer like that. We want to see these things. And in all of this time, all of it is there to exalt the Lamb of God, to bring Him to the front. Yes, the Father is there, and the Spirit is there. But the star of the book of Revelation is Jesus Christ, because that's the title. Well, no, the title is because that's who He is. He's the exalted lamb. We've seen angels, and I put a number of different things in here. Living creatures, fiery throne, riders on horses. Who are they? Are they coming? Has one come? Are they riding? Is there? We've seen catastrophic events like we can't even imagine. They can't make movies like this in Hollywood because they'd have to find somebody to go stop it. And if it was a Hallmark movie, it's a, it's a dog who saves Christmas. Okay, But we've seen incredible destructive powers released. We've seen demonic creatures come up from out of the earth uh, with power like we can't imagine to harm mankind people can't even die so things after things we saw a beast a false prophet we saw the harlot of babylon we saw armies gathered together 
against the Lord and his Christ. And then we saw his return. And the war was over in a split second. All of that we've seen. And then in the last couple chapters, if that wasn't enough, now we come to this new heaven, new earth, and it's, it's beyond our ability to fully conceive of it. As I've said, every drawing I've seen, every, every time somebody has tried to present some pictorial image of this, it is just goofy. It's just goofy. It doesn't, it, it can't, it cannot express everything that's there. Number one, we don't have the colors. We don't have the colors of, of heaven that are going to be there. We, we got billions of colors in our computers, but they're not going to come close to the colors we're going to see. The, the radiance of God shining out from the throne through walls that are transparent, streets that are transparent gold. How do you, how do you draw that? Can't. We see all these different things. And last week we talked about the river. It's not a river of water. It's a river of life. The river. The water of life. And it's not as if you could go in and get wet. It's living water. It's life that becomes tangible. Again, something our mind really can't conceive tonight we're going to talk about the tree and all of these things are awesome and wonderful but the greatest thing is in verse 4 they shall see his face of all of the things God brings everything down to every one of those things we've seen and we could marvel at. We stand there with our mouths open. We stand there with our minds just confused, trying to, to identify or relate to what we're seeing. But nothing is going to compare to seeing the face of Jesus. You say, well, people saw his face. Not his glorified face. Not the fullness of his glory shining upon them. We will see his face. Pretty awesome. All right, so we talked last week about the river, and it talks about the river of life, and it says the river of life through the middle of the streets. It was bright and glorious flowing through the middle that's where I start in verse 2 through the middle of the street of the city also on either side of the river the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit each month the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations how do we understand the architecture of this city it is it, it's again how do you draw this? So I just put these down as, as almost like questions. The first is a statement. 
made it from the book of Hebrews. This is the city Abraham was looking for. He was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. So this is not built by man. Everything we've seen, every building on this earth is built by man. And therefore it has man's limitation stamped upon it. But this is that city whose builder, whose founder, whose architect, the one who designed it is God himself. And here's the thing. Abraham knew that. He knew that there was a city somewhere whose builder and maker was God. He didn't find it. He roamed through the deserts looking for it. And then God collected him from off of this earth. And he got a taste of it. But you see, Abraham went to the bosom of God. And he was there. And then he becomes the one who welcomes everyone else. They were welcomed to the bosom of Abraham. But he was welcomed to a paradise. But I want you to get this. Anybody who dies today, they're not in the new heaven and the new earth. Is that, am I shocked anybody with that? I hope not. They're go to paradise. They're in the presence of God. But that's not the new heaven and the new earth. We've, we've seen things from chap, since chapter 4. Some glorious sights. And I'm not saying paradise won't be glorious beyond our, our wildest conceptions and greatest joys. But it's not the new heaven and the new earth. Because they have not been brought down yet. John says in chapter 21, he saw the new heaven and earth twice. He says it coming down out of heaven from God. It's been reserved, and it's there waiting this time when we will be gathered there as a whole. All mankind who have believed in Jesus Christ from the beginning to the end. But only those who believed, whether it's Old Testament Messiah, Redeemer, Kinsman, Substitute, whatever it was, however it was they believed in him. Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. He didn't know him as the Messiah, didn't know him as the Christ, didn't know him as Jesus. He knew him as his Redeemer. I know he lives, and I will stand with him. So he knew that that day was coming, and that he would see him actually in his flesh, that there would be some kind of flesh. It wasn't, he wasn't going to be like a ghost floating around, you know, in heaven, and he wasn't going to be turned into an angel or a cherubim. Thank you, Jesus. But it wasn't this. It's not what we're talking about here. As glorious as, as wherever these people were. In the Old Testament, they called it Abraham's bosom. New Testament, we call it paradise. Paul calls it the third heaven. Still, it's not the fullness of the new heaven and the new earth. What, what is that place going to be like? It was designed and built by God. And God has ways, what did he say? My ways are 
higher than your ways. He didn't say your ways are lower than mine, but that's also implied, right? God, God can do things that are beyond our capacity to conceive. Does this, so here's my question. Does the great street of the city divide so that it reaches each of the 12 gates? We read that there's going to be 12 gates. Is that right? Well, why are there gates if there's not streets that lead to them? But all this talks about is a street that runs down the middle. All right, so are they going to divide? They're going to branch out? They'll be numbered like we have here in Oklahoma. Perfect squares. You know exactly where you are. Corner of a hundredth and a hundredth. That makes so much sense. Anyway, what about the river? Does the river flow down the middle of the street to the central street, the one street, all the streets? Does it, does it branch out like the canals of Venice? What, what is this river of life like? I mean, it starts from the throne, but is that all? Just one long stream? This is a huge place. What, 1,500 miles cube? Wow. One river? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just asking questions. You have to answer them. There'll be a test at the end. All right. Or, or, or should we understand, and this is many commentaries, that like the river runs alongside the streets. Like you can go to some beautiful cities. I've been to some places in, in China where the river is there and there's streets that follow um, the rivers. And see, many of them have wonderful walking paths where you can walk along the paths of the, of the river. You know, we've seen that in some of our cities. What, San Antonio has the river that flows through there. Uh, we can see that. We can see those. Of course, they're filled with pollution and all kinds of junk. This river is what? Pure and sparkling and clear as crystal. This river. And then there's this question. Where does it go? Do you ever wonder that? Where, where, does the, where does the river of life go to? It doesn't say it's a pond, right? It's, it's not like the, uh, the reflecting pool that's in front of the White House or the Washington Monument. It's not a big, long pool, 1,000, 1,500 miles long. It's, it's a river. It's flowing to where? Is it like a fountain? As a kid, I used to, I still marvel at fountains, but, you know, you wonder, how does, how does they keep getting the water into there? And where's all the water going that's coming out? Well, it circulates around, right? So if you dump some red dye in pretty soon, not that I know that by experience. Anyway, so where's this river of life? Where does it go to? Didn't we say there's no more sea? Hmm. So where's it going? I'm not here to answer the question. I'm just asking. Top of the page. Is the tree of life one single great plant? 
There's one huge tree. Went to a place when I was in Hawaii. Huge trees. There's huge banyan trees. They'd, they're like nothing you've ever seen before. And they're just, and they're, they're hundreds of feet around. Or you go to an aspen grove up in, up in Colorado. A grove of aspen trees, that's one plant. And since it's one tree, but it's got all these branches <laughs> that travel underground and then come up. And so, if you didn't know that, aspen, an aspen grove could be the largest living organism in the world. So, they're huge. Is that what it's like? Or is there just one tree that all these billions of people have to get to? I don't know. Again, asking questions. Somebody out there? Anyway. Somebody trying to get in the front door? Okay. Robin's going. You can't get out that door, huh? Okay. Sorry, interruptions. All right, so what we find in this, um, too many questions. Is a tree multiple? Is it like an orchard? Is it like an aspen grove? Is it, is it just one trunk and all these branches? I don't know. To me, these remain mysteries. But you know what? Mystery isn't there to puzzle us. It's there to make us wonder. This is going to be glorious beyond anything that we can conceive. And the words coming out of our mouth will glorify God. All right, the tree of life. Let's talk a little bit more about this. This is the only plant that is specifically spoken of in all of the book of Revelation. It never speaks of any other kind of plant. It not that there aren't plants and the vegetation. It's talked about the vegetation that was dying and all those things. But here this one is specifically mentioned but this one is mentioned as part of the eternal state of what's in heaven. And so, here's more questions. The question of plant and animal life in the, in the new earth. In the original creation, right? Let's think back. Some of us are old enough to remember that. But um, in the original creation, it was God's design. Is that right? He called all these things forth. It was God who called all these animals and plants, birds of the air, the fish of the sea, all the creatures on the face of the earth, all the plant life. And, and here's something I, I thought about this. And God created them in such a way and with such ability so that when the fall took place, when God knew was going to happen, they would be able to endure the transition. Because when the fall came, everything didn't die. They went through transitions. And the transitions, some of them took place over hundreds of years. It wasn't until Noah came out of the ark that God gave animals 
to be carnivorous. Before that, they weren't. And so there was a transition, but God gave these, this animal life the ability to make that transition. I love watching, you know, the animal planet things and nature uh, things. A lot of times I get very angry at the guy who's talking uh, because the stuff he's saying is so stupid. You know, it's, you know, the hummingbird decided it needed a longer beak so that it could get inside the flower. Or was it the flower that decided that it needed to be designed in such a way that only one hummingbird could fertilize it? What, the, the flower decided that? I, I, I don't know. It just gets so stupid, you can't, you can't follow it. But who created all of that? God did. So... All of this animal plant life, the multitude of species and families, varieties of forms, life forms, incredible things. You watch, you watch these adventures into like the deepest jungles. They're, they're finding new species. Insects, like them or not. Snakes, like them or not, are many of them incredibly beautiful and mesmerizing. And you see all of this life. You see plants like you've never seen before. And, and all of this creation, God made all of that. God designed all of that. Species that haven't even been formed. When God made this, Mankind couldn't see the fish that were under the sea. They could see fish that they might catch, bring them out of the sea. They had no idea of the coral reefs, no idea of the things that were down there, no ideas of the great creatures that swim in the ocean. No idea. But God put them there so we could find them. The Psalms, the prophets, the Old Testament, they, they proclaim that all creation is groaning. Romans says all creation groans to be released. But when they're released, what are they going to do? They're going to rejoice in God. Creation, animals, trees, mountains, rocks, rejoicing in God. Why? Because he's their creator. And so I look at all those things and I say this is his design earth is what God designed and he placed man into it of course came the fall so when we look at the new heaven the new earth so we look at the new earth would not the creator who designed all those things fill his new earth with what he's created I have to say yes. Not everyone does. Many commentators do not believe that. Look at Revelation chapter 4, verse 11. It says, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and they exist because you created what you pleased. That's the New Living Translation. 
King James, and for your pleasure they were created. This is God's pleasure. So if it was God's pleasure, and he's the one consistent thing that goes from before creation, through creation, through the fallen time of man, through the redemption, through the millennium, into the new head. God is the one consistent, the one common denominator. Would he not fill his new earth with the same life that he gave us down here? Not because it pleases us, because it pleases him. That's the way I see it. End of Jeff's sermon. All right. What about the tree? So now we have this tree. And the tree, it says, also on either side of the water. So some people have drawn an image of, of a tree that's, that is growing over top of the water and the water flows between it. Kind of like the big sequoias out in, out in California where you can drive through. Anybody been through those? Yeah, we have. And the first time I saw one, I mean, I'd seen pictures of them. I'd seen them displayed. Then we actually went to where they were. I was overwhelmed. You know, as, as much as I love photography, I couldn't even take a picture of them. They're too big. So how do you take a picture of a tree that's 200 feet high? As big around as this room. So you take a picture of bark right here. This is, this is the tree, all right? So here's a tree, and it, it says it's also on either side of the river. So does that mean one tree that straddles the river? Or is it trees that line the river? I tend to go that direction. Trees that line the river, like in, in beautiful parks that we would design. Hmm, I wonder where we got that idea from. Trees lining the sides, and no, they will not be Bradford pears. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So, they're going to be the tree of life. They are the tree of life, right? Because it has 12 kinds of fruit, each yielding fruit in its month. Is that 12 different kinds of trees having 12 different kinds of fruits, or is the tree having different kinds of fruit each month? There is no way to determine that answer from the way it's written. You can't go, you, you can argue either way, but <laughs> there's no way from the words and the structure of the sentence to understand exactly whether it's 12 trees with different fruits or one tree with 12 kinds of fruit. Whatever, what? It's going to be there. And it's going to be incredible. Beyond our ability. It is awe-inspiring. And then it says, these trees. Now, in the book of Genesis, we read about a tree. The tree of life. Man was told to eat of it. He didn't. He went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And so then ultimately God barred the way to the tree of life. And then ultimately the tree of life was removed from off the earth. 
because God did not want man to come and eat of the tree of life after he had fallen into sin. But you see, that curse is gone now. And so as we stand in heaven here, we're looking at a different thing. Ezekiel chapter 47, the whole chapter is about the river and the, and the tree. And if you could go back and read Ezekiel 47. Now, his writing describes the millennium, but is he also describing something that is continuing or similar to what is going to be in the new heaven, new earth? That's hard to understand. But here's what he writes, fruit trees of all kind. Ezekiel 47, verse 12. Every month they will bear, exactly, exactly as John says. Their fruit will serve for food and their leaves for healing. There it is. So, now this is for the time of the millennium, but John's describing something almost exactly the same thing as he comes to heaven. John adds some twists to it. So, in Revelation, this is fulfilled, this very prophecy is fulfilled by the tree of life because of the language, the similarity of the statements. It's bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month. Do people come and partake of the fruit? never says that. But that would be an implication. Why would it have fruit if people weren't going to come and partake of it? All right. And so the fruit is there. And uh, Ezekiel, you know, kind of gives the indication that the fruit is for the people. The fruit will serve for food, Ezekiel says. Chapter 47, verse 12. Now, it's not that we need to eat in heaven. But we can. Oh, yeah. Now, what am I going to do about my love for pork ribs? I got no idea. I don't know if there's, I don't know if there's pigs in heaven. But somehow there's going to be pork ribs. I, you know, they don't have to have pigs, just pork ribs. All right, I don't have to see the pig. Anyway, I've, I got no idea. People can eat doesn't say they have to. You're not eating to stay alive because you're what? You're alive eternally. So you're not going to die. You're not going to bring any kind of death into your life. You're not needing the tree for nutrition, but for joy. So here again, we find God doing something just because it makes him happy. Wow. God, that I would live in such a way that everything I do makes God happy. Whoa, there's a, there's a challenge to put on your mirror and read every day. What does this symbolize? It symbolizes an eternal blessing. Almost every commentary read said the same thing, that this continual production of fruit, different kinds of fruit, lends to the fact of an eternal life of blessing consistently, continually, never ending, over and over, a flow of blessing to those who are there. Not that we need the life-sustaining power of the tree, but we need the joy that God intended for us to have in the fact of his production 
from this tree. And it says that every month, but, all right, what, what is there in heaven that would make it hard for us to understand how every month they could produce a different fruit? There's no time, and months are ordered by the moon. So, okay, there's no moon, and there's no time, but there's months. This is, again, where God uses things to relate to us because that's how we live. We live in a place where there is time, where there, things can be measured, where measurement, especially of time, is meaningful to us. And the moon is one of the controllers of our time. It's, it's how ancient man understood time. And they measured month after month, and they knew the cycle of the moon, and they knew when it would be, and, and they could pinpoint years in advance, exactly the day that the moon will come up. Now, I need a calculator to do that, and so if I want to take a picture of a moonrise, you know, coming up over a certain place, then I've got a computer program that puts it there. It can even show me exactly what's going to happen as the moon rises and at a different time and the elevation it needs to be and all those kinds of things doesn't mean my picture is going to be perfect. Uh, there's so much more to it. I need a computer to figure that out. Ancient man, they just measured the days and they could tell you thousands of years in advance exactly what day the moon's going to rise at a certain place. Because they knew. So, in the new heaven, new earth, we don't need that. We don't need to know time because we'll be timeless. But God speaks in that way so that we can relate to it. And then we got the leaves. What about the leaves? It says the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. I want you to catch the phrasing of that. It's not the healing of the people. It's the healing of the nations. It doesn't say just healing. The leaves of the tree were for healing. Because why? There's no sickness. We got glorified bodies. We're not subject. There, there can't even be disease. It's not just that we're not going to be sick. It's there can't be disease because our bodies are not subject to that. And disease is part of the fall. So that's going to be gone. So it can't be that these leaves are for healing of physical diseases. Now, does that take away from the fact that God wants to heal people today? No. no. Doesn't have a thing to do with that. You don't need this verse to talk about the fact that God wants to heal people today. Jesus sent us out with that commission. Lay hands on the sick, and the sick will recover. That's, that's what he said. So we don't need that. The book of Isaiah told us that by the stripes which were laid upon the Lamb, we are healed. All right? So these are realities. And, you know, we are healed by faith in the power and the name of Jesus Christ. Not by leaves of a tree. So it doesn't have anything to do with taking away from the fact that God wants us to have healing in this life. Why? Because we have sickness in this life. 
We have disease in this life. Our bodies have not been glorified. They've not been perfected. So we need those things here. But in heaven, we won't need them. Are they, is it, so then is it just up there for show? Just, uh, you know, this was, this was about all the healing that you needed when you were on earth. I don't believe that. Here's what I do believe. Top of page three. The word nations is a Greek word ethnos. It's our root for ethnic. And ethnos has to do with a, a distinct language or group of people. Uh, anyone who is not a Jew. How many in here are not a Jew? All right, there may be one or two in here that are of Jewish descent, but most of the rest of us are not a Jew. But that applies to us. But in the greater way, because it's not just the New Testament that used this, the Greeks used it, the Romans used it. So it spoke of a distinct group of people. And this says that it is for the healing of distinct groups of people. What do we know about groups of people on this earth? They don't like each other. They are mortal enemies. If you are an island and you're Protestant and your neighbor's Catholic, you hate each other. Oh, you may keep it down. You're not ready to go out and kill them, but you would if you could. If you could get away with it, you would. We have all manners of division, but what's going to happen when we get to heaven? All gone. You say, well, but there won't be anything. We're all perfected. No, follow me. The healing is for the nations, not the disease. The healing is for the brokenness of nations and ethnic division, racial and political strife that we bring with us when we get saved. Now, are we going to be able to bring that with us in heaven? No. But here's what's going to be in heaven. Three times in the book of Revelation, these titles are given. Listen to these distinctions. You've read them before. Speaking about the Lamb, for you were slain or you were slaughtered, and your blood is ransomed people for God from every, say it, tribe. And so that word means a race or a clan of people, a, a, a small grouping, a race or a clan. People who are like you. Could be a family, could be extended family. It could be, you know, uh, racial distinctions, like skin color. From every tribe, from every language, which has to do with distinct language groups. People divided over language groups. Yeah, we might be all Caucasian, if you want to use that, but we got distinct language groups. And so we're divided by our language groups. Because in this life, how many of us speak another language? Let me see the hands of people that speak another language here. Put your hands up. I just want to see. Less, less than a fourth of the class. Now you go to Europe, 
You can run into people that speak five languages. Children four years old can speak five languages, and I can't speak anything but English, and not that perfectly, right? Don't say amen. Okay. But people are divided over language groups. And then it says, not only just tribes and language, but also says people. This is a gathered group or a culture. The Greek word is laos, from which we get the title for the nation, laos, right? And it has to do with a, a, a culture of people, a distinct gathering of people, different from other people. And then finally it says, and nation, ethnos, anyone not a Jew. We could almost say anyone not like, rhymes with Jew, you. <laughs> anyone not like you. How many divisions do we have in this world? And everyone wants to hold on to them. And so when we come in, we want to hold on to our distinctions. We are, well, God's not saying we have to drop all of that. Look at, look at what it says. It's not that we can't recognize every tribe, every language, every tongue, every, uh, I'm sorry, every um, people and every nation. It's not that we can't recognize these. We should. God does. So that even in heaven, as these are standing in heaven, look at Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9. And after this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every, every nation and tribe and people and language. John knew as he stood there the distinctions of these people, yet they were all there in heaven, all standing before the throne. But their distinction was gone, but their division was not there. They're distinct, but not divided. So this is, this is how God intends us to enjoy one another. There are things in other cultures. Jan and I got to know some Armenian families when we lived in Detroit, and they kind of adopted us into their Armenian family, and it, it, it was incredible being with these people. Their name was Kevorkian, but that's not the same guy who, you know, <laughs> they weren't even related, but he lived in the same town. But, and, and, and it was wonderful to be with these people because I, I have no cultural anything. I just, I'm a Heinz 57 mutt, you know, from the street. There was nothing about our family. We didn't know any kind of history. We didn't know where we'd come from. We didn't know any kind of distinctions. God cares. Who created all of these? Well, God created one man, but out of that one man, God determined that there would be all of these. And when he brings them to heaven, he wants them to be like this. And then finally, Revelation 14, 6 says, Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth. So this is in the last half of the tribulation when an angel itself flies through the air proclaiming the gospel to the people who are still alive on the earth, saying, you need to listen. 
And the angel proclaims the gospel. And what happens? Millions of people come to him. And so there's a great response. He proclaims this gospel to every nation, every tribe, every language, and every people. Isn't that what we should be doing also? So then when they come to heaven, it's not like, and they're all the same. They weren't all the same. You could tell. Ethnic groups, tribe, language, nation. You could, you could see that. God could see it. We could see, John could see it. But there's no what? Division. Because the leaves of the tree of life are for the healing of all the divisions, of all the strife, of all the animosities, all the bitterness, all the wars. I can't forgive those people. That's what one of our Armenian friends said. She hated Turkish people because of the massacre of the Armenian people by the Turks. If you go back and study some history just before the First World War, it was horrible. What was the name of that movie? The Promise. The Promise. If you haven't seen it, check it out. It's Christian-based. tells the story of the Armenian. A little bit of the story. The horror. And her words were, I could never forgive the Turks. Well, the people who lived in Canada, where she grew up in Toronto, there were a lot of Turkish people, a lot of Armenians. They didn't do that. They're, they're not the ones who did it. But what happens? We bring that with us. And so we have so much of that going on in our nation and in our world right now. You weren't the one, but I'm bringing it in because it was my people. You know what? Only God, only God can heal that. Because only God can change what's in here. So that we are an altogether different people. So that when we stand in heaven, Armenians beside Turks. Oh, I'll never forget. No, the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No divisions. No divisions. No sects. No little cultural groups. No people that won't talk to one another. No ghettos where we put certain people because we don't like who they are, so we put them off into this side. Many of you know that I teach um, in a, on an online seminary. I'm teaching many people that are in Vietnam. And the people, most of the ones who are taking our courses are from the Hmong people. You know some of those people around Tulsa. And the Hmong, are, they're hated by the Vietnamese. They're hated by the Laotians. They're hated by the Cambodians. And, and one, one reason, some of them have, have said, one reason that it's okay for us to teach these people the gospel when in Vietnam it's, you know, it's an atheistic country. That's, that's their state religion. But it's okay for us to teach them because we hate them. 
so it's all right. You can teach them because we don't like them anyway. Okay, we will. And so there are many of these people taking these courses. Divisions that are here. They're not going to be in heaven. Distinctions will be there, but not division. Finally, he says in verse 3, No longer will there be anything accursed, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. Eternity, death, mourning, crying, pain, night have, have stopped. And the curse, the curse is what this is about. Nothing accursed. The curse has finally been gone, taken away. It's not even present. Nothing accursed in this city. Well, the Garden of Eden had a river, had a tree. What didn't it have? The throne of God and the Lamb. Because that had not taken place. And it is through the throne of God and the Lamb that the curse is removed. And so, in the holy city, a place that surpasses paradise, there's a throne. And on that throne is the Father and the Son. And round about that throne is the Spirit. The garden was the place where sin entered, where the curse was pronounced. But in this in this beautiful city that God will bring down to earth from heaven, in this glorious place, there is no curse. It's gone. And so only God's blessing remains. There is nothing that will be accursed. And then there's that verb serve. See that? The throne of God and the Lamb and his servants will worship him. The word worship is the Greek word for serve. It, it's, a, it's, it's a Greek word which means to serve in a worshipful way. That your service is a worship unto them. It's used in Greek. It was used in, uh, in governmental ways, in administrative ways. Um, but in the Bible, it's used in the sense of worship that comes from, or service that comes from a heart of worship. And so um, it's the root for our word liturgy, right? So how many of you grew up in church that had a liturgy, right? So this is the root for that. And the liturgy is the service of worship unto God. Well, this is going to be existence in heaven. You're not going to be bored in heaven. We're going to be serving, but our service will be worship. Our worship will be service. What are we going to do? I don't know. I don't know. You know why? The Bible doesn't tell me so. Right? <laughs> the Bible doesn't say. But it does say that even here, we should serve God through a heart of worship. You know the verse, Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. In eternity, we 
will worship him. And I'm going to have to quit there. Yeah, I know. I got one page left, but I get too long-winded. Okay. So, we'll take this up next week, and we still will finish the book next week. Because all I have to say, really, is four times, I'm coming soon. <laughs> because that's what, that's what Jesus does. He says four times, I'm coming soon. So, get prepared. What's that? Oh, I might do that next week. Yeah, I might. But I might not answer the questions. <laughs> I reserve that right. If God doesn't have to tell us everything. I don't have to tell you everything. So, right. no, we'll see. Okay, so, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you have given us such hope. What is called the blessed hope. Your return to draw us out of this world and all of its brokenness and all of its division and all of the death and sickness and disease and all the, the wrong that is here. Father, your desire is for us to be translated out of this life and into your glorious presence. We receive that through our new birth. But Father, we're waiting for the physical manifestation of all this hope that you have presented before us. It is real. It will be, and we will be there to glory in you. And we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name, amen.